Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded in the beautiful downtown Courtyard Marriott, Providence, Rhode Island. Tonight, we're talking about the 2019 Travel Year in Review. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Like I said in the intro, I am in chilly and wet Providence, Rhode Island. And as I traditionally try to do, drinking local. Tonight I went downstairs and across the courtyard to the Union Station Brewery and had a Cranston Thug Life from uh, New England. It's an IPA. It's a very hazy IPA. I have suddenly started drinking more hazy IPAs, and, and by hazy, I mean they're a little bit more cloudy. The actual the clarity of them is a little bit more cloudy. This one weighed in at 6.7 APV. So as I normally do this time of year, I kind of review my travel numbers from the, the previous year and compare them to the previous year before that. For 2019, at this point, I've got 225 nights in hotels. Again, Hilton typically gets most of those. I still am on a road trip this week, which will probably add another four nights to that. And then we're going to take a little family getaway for three or four nights before the end of the year. So that number will probably end up a little over 230 nights. Total flights, 53. Southwest got 39. United got 10 of those. And Delta got four. And I kind of probably messed myself up a little bit by giving Delta so many flights because right now I'm struggling to make A-list preferred for next year. And the reason for that was twofold is I ended up going into Newark quite a bit this year and Southwest pulled that route right on Halloween. So I had to find another way to get in. And previous to that, Southwest just didn't fly direct. Frankly, I was tired of taking connecting flights. That's the reason that United got 10 of those flights. Rental cars, 22. According to TripIt, I was in 75 different cities, put about 20,000 miles on a personal car, and so that came out to a total of 63 trips, you know, sometimes had two trips in one week, and right at 99,000 miles travel. According to my Swarm profile, and I, I've used Swarm for years, and if you've never used it, not familiar with it, it's a check-in service social media type platform and it tracks where you've been. And I have spent at least one night in a hotel for the last 77 weeks. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah. 77 week streak going. So how did those stack up to my 2018? 2018 was a little bit busier, right at 240 nights in hotels. Again, Hilton getting the bulk of those 61 flights, uh, 53 were with Southwest United and American got three and a piece, and then Delta got two. 16 rental cars, 71 different cities, and personal miles on vehicles was about 28,000. During last year's travel review, I said all road warriors keep score and don't let anyone tell you any different. We all have a number. I often reference the movie with George Clooney up in the air, and he had a number. Well, going into 2019, I had two numbers. They were 1,000, and the other one was 600. 
And so at the time that 2019 opened up, I was 60 nights short of a thousand nights at Hilton properties and 44 nights short of 600 nights at Marriott properties. So both of those numbers combined uh, with 10 years of membership at each one of those hotel chains guaranteed me lifetime platinum and gold status respectively. I had no idea at the time what that entitled me to, but it satisfied a number. So I'm here to tell you in December of 2019, I hit both those numbers, which, which I knew I would. It was just a matter of time. And so Marriott Lifetime Platinum Elite. So it wasn't Lifetime Gold. It was Lifetime Platinum. And they redid their program earlier or beginning of last year. Marriott did. It just really made a lot of people mad with their, with their new program. I'm not a huge Marriott guy. I work with a lot of guys that are. So Lifetime Platinum gets me 50% more points. When I check in anything that I spend, I get an extra uh, 50% override on points. Lounge access, uh, hotel brands that have lounge, I got full lounge access and, again, complimentary breakfast. Enhanced in-room internet access, which tonight in uh, downtown Providence, Rhode Island, internet access is twelve ninety-five. So once you reach lifetime status, it lasts forever and the points never expire. Hilton Lifetime Diamond, you get 100% point override. So you get double points for everything. Always get upgrades. Always get complimentary breakfast, free premium hi-fi, again, lounge access, and an elite status gifting. So that means I could gift Diamond to somebody. So we had a new guy join our team, I think in October, and he hadn't really traveled in the past. And anytime you get a baby road warrior, the first thing they start doing is counting nights till they hit silver and nights till they hit gold. So I was able to gift him uh, diamonds. So he got diamond access on his about his third week on the road. The only benefit that I really see with the lifetime statuses is that it never expires and my points do, don't expire either. Hilton did send me a nice pair of Bose wireless headphones, and it, the reason I'm chuckling is I had a friend that in 2018 hit Lifetime, and they sent him a candle. Of course, they send you metal uh, membership cards now as well. So one of the nice features that Hilton gives you is they give you an extra 10,000 points for every 10 nights you stay. This year, I've spent, I think, about 190 nights in Hilton property, so that's close to 200,000 free points. And as a reference point, you've heard me talk about that we like to go down and spend the evening or spend overnight at the Hilton Orlando Lake Buena Vista, where a room and resort fee will typically run you about 200 bucks, and for 50,000 points, all that is covered. One of the things where that points override is so important, and for example, last week I went down to Vero Beach. I think it was the first week that I did not go to an airport in about two months. The cost of the room before taxes was 146 bucks. So typically you will get 1,460 points. With the power-up promotion that Hilton's running, I got an additional 1,460 points. My Diamond Elite status gave me 1,460 more points. And then I, I they have some kind of bonus option. Either you get a snack or points. So I think I took 250 points because I didn't take a snack when I checked in. So I got another 250 points. And then right now, because I have the American Express Hilton card, that power-up promotion gave me another 1,460 points. So that one-night stay gave me just over 6,000 points. So that's where those points overrides and, and doubling of points really can, can make a difference and weigh heavily in your favor. 
So like I said, both Marriott and Hilton sent me new metal membership cards, which is apparently the new thing. Uh, even the new American Express Platinum card is metal. This new thing is so prevalent that a website called Value Penguin posted the heaviest and best metal credit cards of 2019. The American Express Platinum card, of course, was the heaviest coming in at 18 grams. And I guarantee you that they made sure that they had the heaviest uh, heaviest card available. So to answer your question, yes, in the world that we live in in 2019, we are actually weighing credit cards. Last January, I began using the Hilton Honors American Express Ascend card. Yes, another American Express card in the wallet. And I was one of those people that was just never going to be a card chaser, point chaser. But at the time, the rationale was for 95 bucks for the annual fee, I got 12 points for every dollar spent at a Hilton property. That's huge, right? Six points for every dollar spent at restaurants, supermarkets, and gas station. And the rationale paid off at the end of each month when I had huge point increases to my Hilton account. At the time, one of the other benefits was I got 10 free visits to Priority Pass lounges when I traveled. And they put it at a value of about 300 bucks. It's, I think it's $30 to use a Priority Pass if you're not a member. There's also a Hilton Honors auction site. I completely forgot about this site until I was looking back at last year's uh, post. But it allowed me to redeem Hilton points on exclusive artist experiences and hotel concert events with Live Nation or racing experiences with McLaren Honda Company. Uh, Twelve months later, I have not used either one of those benefits. One of the things is that the Orlando Airport on the Southwest Terminal, there's really not a priority pass destination. I think they give you a discount at the spa. I'm not. I'm not going to the airport to get my neck massaged or get a. Uh, a pedicure before I hop on the plane. Earlier this month, I hit my Southwest Companion Pass. This will be the third year, and this roughly saves us about $4,000 a year in Southwest travel. And the Southwest Companion Pass is probably the best travel deal around. If you hit it for 2020, it's going to require 125,000 points up from 2019's 110,000 points. So once you hit the level, you name a companion to fly free. Whenever you do, you can book your flight with dollars, points, doesn't matter. Click a box and your companion flies free. Well, actually, not free. It's $11.50 for taxes. The Southwest card also gives you double points when purchasing Southwest tickets. And combine that with the double points for being a Southwest West A-list preferred member, it's like quadruple dipping every time I fly. So right now I'm hoping to hit a list preferred based on points. I've got about 4,000 points I need to uh, to spend or rack up between now and the end of the year to get that. With the holidays approaching, uh, it should be pretty easy to do. And they actually, Southwest actually does a pretty good job of giving you double and triple points on certain websites between all my travel in the last 30 days and the holidays coming up, that should not be too hard to hit. Now, being the financially responsible guy that I am, I'm going to tell you that both the American Express card as well as the Southwest Chase card carry interest rates well over 20%. So that means if you plan to carry a balance, that interest rate is going to quickly decrease the value of all those free points and rewards and flights. So that's one thing, and I've talked about it before, that we typically use the Southwest Chase card, just like a debit card. Go to the grocery store, pay for it, go home, and then write a uh, transfer money right to the Chase uh, account. 
So it's just like a debit card to us. When it came to trips for the year, the best trip by far was the one to Niagara Falls. I booked flight, hotel, and rental, and the CEO handled everything else. She booked tours. We didn't have, we actually took a part of a day off just to kind of get away. Saw some cool stuff. We started out at Skyline Tower. This is a revolving dining room that rotates 360 degrees in an hour. And of course, the running joke is if you get out of your chair to go to the bathroom and you come back out, your table's on the other side of the room. You can see uh, all three of the falls from this play from the tower, Canadian Horseshoe Falls, the American Falls, and the Bridal Veil. And if it's clear, which it was not on the day we were there, you have roughly 80 miles of visibility. After that, we headed over to the Niagara Falls American side tour with the Maid of the Mist boat ride. This is the boat that takes you right up into the uh, into the falls, and you just kind of sit there, and uh, they rev the engines and try to hold in place as long as you can. You're going to get wet. They're going to give you a raincoat. You're still going to get wet. Here's a tip. If you do ever do this ride and you get one of the ponchos, reach down between your legs. And uh, now come on, now reach down between your legs and tie a knot in the poncho because that way the wind can't make it go over your head. From there, with the American side tour, uh, we visited the Niagara Whirlpool and then we finished up the night at the uh, Niagara Falls State Park Cave of the Winds, which was really cool. And they light up the falls at night with LED lights from both sides, from the Canadian side as well as the American side. Definitely, definitely a cool way to end the evening. Next day, we got up and did the Niagara Craft Beer Tour, four stops in six hours. Pace yourself. It's day drinking. Yes, there's somebody else still driving, but you've got to get back to your hotel at some point. Uh, our first stop was the Sunnybrook Winery, Canada's, Canadian's first fruit winery. And I was really surprised at how much wine and grapes that we saw there. And apparently, the earth is very fertile. Didn't know that. Uh, when we were at the uh, Sunnybrook, we did most of their ironwood ciders. From there, we went to Silversmith Brewing. It was housed in a converted church. They offered both beer and food, probably one of the best stops. Uh, we actually took back a couple bottles of IPA, which we'll get to in a bit with one of my travel tips. Third stop was the Wayne Gretzky Estates Winery and Distillery. This is a new location closer to the Canadian Wine and Beer Trail. Uh, as you could well imagine, it's hockey themed. They've got a really cool outside patio that when winter comes, they uh, they freeze it over and it becomes a makeshift uh, ice rink. Last stop was the Niagara College Teaching Brewery. And it's uh, basically, it's a practical learning environment for students that want to learn to be brewmasters and brewery operation managers. Most everyone that leaves, leaves out of there ends up getting employed. And it's really cool because the tasting room they actually let you sample the students' recipes. And so what's cool is those students leave with those recipes. They're theirs. They can take it with them if they want to open their own brewery, if they want to incorporate that into some place that they get hired. But really, really cool beer education tour. The next day was the Magnificent Tour. This was a six-hour tour. We had a phenomenal tour guide. God bless this woman. There was no way that I could maneuver a full-size Greyhound bus through these very narrow city streets of Canada. We visited a whole bunch of cool places, Whitewater Walk. Again, we saw the Niagara Whirlpool, but this time we saw it on the Canadian side where the night before or the day before 
We had seen it from the American side. We stopped by Niagara's Fury. This is where you kind of walk behind the falls. The temperature drops about 20 degrees. You're going to get a raincoat, a poncho, do the same trick, tie a knot underneath it so it doesn't blow over your head. You're going to get wet. Your camera's going to get wet. Your hair's going to get wet. But it's a lot of fun. And they ended up the uh, Niagara's Fury with a 4D universal style attraction where you watched the film, got sprayed with water, <laughs> they dropped the temperature, but it was truly 4D. It was, it was really pretty cool. Uh, and then finally, we did the Hornblower, which is the Niagara version of the Maid of the Mist. They actually use uh, catamaran jet boats that, again, take you up to the falls and they kind of rev the engines or, or gun the engines to keep the boat stable while the uh, the water is trying to push, push you back down the river. Really cool. It was a lot of fun. And again, like I said, the CEO booked all these, so I didn't have to do anything except just to show up. Took a day off uh, and hit the antique trail down through New York one day. Ended up uh, hitting about four antique shops. And of course, like we typically do, we ended up getting a bunch of stuff to, that we had to take back. And again, I'll tell you about that a little bit later. And we finished up the uh, the tour or the, the trip with the O Canada A Dinner Show. It's Canada, Canada's longest running dinner musical, two-hour musical show featuring about 70 songs from Canadian artists, from Paul Anka to Bare Naked Ladies to Avril Lavigne to Justin Bieber. And what was cool was the performers were also the waiters and waitresses. So it was neat in between songs. They'd jump off stage and, and refill your glasses. It was cool. Some guy dressed in a Mountie is pouring you iced tea or delivering you uh, your adult beverages. As we normally do, we ended up with several bottles of wine and liquor that we needed to get back. So when we left Canada, everything closed at 4 o'clock. We were looking for a ship at place and just couldn't figure out a way to do it. The CEO came up with a really great idea. We got back through customs, back to the American side, went to Walmart and bought a $19 roll behind carry on piece of luggage and put, I guess, eight or nine bottles of booze and blanketed them with our dirty clothes and checked the baggage. And later on the next day, we ended up in Orlando got home, and the only catastrophe it was we had bought some kind of a relish, and the top had, had opened a little bit and oozed, but all that booze and liquor made it back safely. So, typically, we go and buy the $19 boxes at the postal stations and shove as much as we can in it and ship those that way this time. Uh, we upped our game and bought a cheap $19 suitcase, which was far cheaper than anything that it would have cost for us to ship it any other way. So a couple observations from Niagara Falls. You can't see much from the U.S. side, and I guess I'm a total mallet head. I never really bothered to do a lot of research when I booked the hotels. All the views and everything is on the Canadian side, looking back toward, down towards the American side in the falls. Parking is expensive and it's hard to find on both the Canadian and the American side, and that's why the tours worked out really, really well for us. Crossing the border is going to add 20 to 40 minutes to your trip every time you go in and out of the country. The Canadian guys do not have much of a sense of humor. They can ask you the same three or four questions. Every time I tried to crack a joke, I got crickets. 
If we go back, which we might, we'll probably stay at the Marriott Niagara Falls Hotel, Falls View and Spa right there. I should have known by the name Falls View that you had a view of the falls. Uh, but it was close to everything, and but far away from a lot of the madness. The Canadian side is a lot like, I would call it Myrtle Beach, Fort Lauderdale, back in the heyday Daytona. I mean, it is very touristy. And the Marriott kind of sits off in a way, so you're not caught up in all that madness. Two business trips stood out, Seattle and Buffalo. Beyond Gray Skies, Starbucks, and the TV show Frasier, my knowledge of Seattle was limited. After four days, I had a completely new outlook. This visit was in September. We were there. We flew on a Sunday, and it was a disaster getting there. It was about a 15-hour plane delay, lost luggage. Uh, but we spent four days there. September, the, it was perfect. The weather was beautiful. It was cloudy at times. Rain did fall. But other than that, the temperatures were absolutely spot on. I discovered that you can tell the out-of-town people <laughs> by the fact that they carry umbrellas. The locals all wear North Face and Patagonia lightweight raincoats. Traffic there is a giant cup of suck. While they appear to be a very environmentally friendly town, which I'm sure they are, most cars in the downtown area only had a single occupant. The homelessness is as bad as you have seen on TV. There were tent cities in the middle of uh, the median I-5. I uh, you know, my best guess is that the legalized marijuana plays a role in that homelessness. To sum it up, the city is filled with fantastically friendly, patient people with so much traffic. I don't recall ever hearing a horn honk. When it came to food, we sampled a little bit of all. We, we ate lunch a couple times at a place called uh, Midori Teriyaki. We ended up dinner again a couple nights at uh, a place, the Market House Corned Beef. It was a New York-style deli, basically, in Seattle. The tap room at Pike Place was a great tap room right in the heart of Pike Place, so it's perfect for people watching. They offer a couple dozen beers on tap as well as cans of Washington State favorites like Rainier and Olympia. and I, I call them beers that my dad drank because those seem to have been the beers that were big in the 70s. Speaking of Pike Place, we spent a few hours down there, which included a couple stops. First was the public market, also known as the place where they throw fish, and they do throw fish. It's They offer just everything that you'd think a farmer's market would. The flowers were phenomenal. The seafood stands were stuffed to the gills. They'll gladly pack it for you so it'll keep for 48 hours so you have plenty of time to get it home. The one downside that we didn't know was the market starts closing down around 5 p.m. The other stop is the original Starbucks. There will be a line there. They will be a long line. Coffee people are very dedicated. There seems to be a Starbucks on every corner in Seattle, but believe it or not, Seattle comes in six on the list of cities with the most Starbucks. The number one is New York City comes in first with 241 Starbucks locations. The other business trip that stood out was Buffalo. And a couple of reasons, I went to Buffalo in August. Again, weather was perfect. Every time I talked to people about the weather in Seattle and Buffalo, every one of them added on, well, you just don't want to be here in January or February, and I'm in Rhode Island right now, and it's not even the end of the year, and it's already pretty chilly. A couple things about Buffalo is they have two airports. They have 
Buffalo-Niagara International Airport and Niagara Falls International Airport. Thankfully, I booked my tickets into the right airport. Unfortunately, I uh, booked my rental car at Niagara Falls International Airport. And of course, once I realized this, I'm sure I wasn't the first person, according to the Hertz guy, that this had happened to. They were very quickly able to rebook me. Downside of it was that the guy goes, hey, I took care of you. I'm like, cool. He gave me a brand new car with six miles on it. Nobody that travels for a living wants a rental car that's brand new. Anything, any scratch, no matter what it is, is going to be attributed to you during the time of your rental. Don't ever ask for or hope that you get a brand new rental car. Buffalo, we walked, we did a ton of walking. Hilton Garden Inn was within, within walking distance of most everything that we needed. Of course, we had to go to the Anchor Bar. And as a wing guy, this was a bucket list stop. The interior was wondrous. There was Harley's license plate. I mean, it was just perfectly decorated. I started out trying to order their Anchor Bar IPA. They were out of it. I ordered 10 wings medium. When the plate arrived, I was ready to experience the birthplace of wings, the mothership, the Mecca. I bit into the first wing, and it was just okay. I think my heart and my stomach sank. I looked at the the dining partner. They had the same expression. Our waitress was great, friendly, spot on, checked on us uh, several times, but just did not live up to all the hype. They had a Niagara Falls location uh, that my wife and I ate at during our trip. It really wasn't any better. Kind of thumbs down on the Anchor Bar. We spent one evening at Hatchets and Hops. Drink beer, throw hatchets. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, Pressure Drop Brewing was holding a tap takeover during our visit. Made it even better. Again, some more local beers. Uh, We ate at Dinosaur Barbecue the second time I visited a dinosaur location, and this one was as good as the one up in Albany. I went with a combo plate, ribs, wings, mac and cheese, coleslaw, and a slice of cornbread. Ribs were tender, and as they say, they fell off the bone. The wings were smoked to perfection, and the mac and cheese was as good as grandma's. Coleslaw was just okay, but I didn't go there to eat coleslaw. Solid beer selection, and again, including some local choices. Big Ditch Brewing we hit up for lunch, and this was kind of one of those in uh, downtown revitalizations. This used to be some kind of a manufacturing or production plant that somebody turned into a brewery. Great lunches. I had a sriracha chicken sandwich, sriracha honey-coated chicken breast covered in a cilantro sour cream, pickled red onions, and cucumbers. Very sticky, but also very tasty and satisfying. Deep South Taco was another stop within, again, walking distance from the hotel. We started with a hay burner by Big Ditch Brewing Company and coupled that with an order of quesadilla, smoked cheddar, chihuahua cheese, queso fresco, pinto bean puree. Tasty, the guacamole was fresh and piled high and ordered chips and salsa. The salsa was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> it was, we could have done, there was three different salsa choices. And we were kind of going back and forth as what each one was supposed to represent. One tasted like A1 steak sauce. It was just really all over the road. But again, a friendly staff. Everybody there was very friendly, and they offered a fully stocked bar. And the last one was the Lafayette Brewing Company. They brew about 15 of their own beers, uh, and it's located. The brewery is actually located in the basement of the hotel. 
And this is a totally cool throwback bar. Big, thick wood uh, rails, brass foot rails, the traditional Art Deco subway tile in the restrooms. Just a neat, neat place. And uh, ended up spending a couple nights there as we uh, as we headed back towards the hotel. So that's a wrap on 2019 travel. Like I said, I've probably got one more trip planned as a personal trip. Uh, looking forward to that, but then winding down the year and looking forward to firing up in 2020. I'm going to try to get the uh, the CEO back and see what her take on it was on 2019 travel because I'm sure it will be a lot different than mine. Thanks for listening. Safe travels and goodbye. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.